Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Oh, it's great to be with you as we head on into what is officially going to be the holiday season. And I hope you're all getting uh, ready for that and looking forward to it and probably have already started a lot of your food shopping for Thanksgiving and so much more. But uh, today we're going to have some uh, thoughtful guests on and fun as well. My first guest, although runs into the more of the thoughtful category, she has been a hospice nurse for about 12 years, and she is truly passionate about helping those that are dying with dignity. She's been a nurse for many more years, but this is one area of nursing that she finds that she gains the most and deepest satisfaction is in helping families and patients when their time has come to transition and she can be there and help it be the most meaningful, pain-free and loving experience possible. So Brenda Yoder is coming up with that. Then we have some lovely ladies who are talking about lasagna. It's actually a nonprofit called Lasagna Love that started during the pandemic with one person out of her home kitchen and she decided to put out on her social media neighborhood app that uh, she wanted to give uh, a plate of lasagna or a pan of lasagna to anyone who wanted one and she would drop it off on their porches no questions asked and just leave it there and it's turned into a worldwide movement wherein neighbors send lasagna with love to those in their neighborhood and it's really a beautiful thing a nonprofit with a heart and uh, we'll also be speaking with chef Rupp he has worked for a family business for many years but the family business has been around literally for 150 years and it's called Volrath and they make all sorts of implements and uh, big items for commercial kitchens for restaurants and they have come up with what they think is going to be the latest and greatest idea so when you ever go to a buffet or a salad bar you will be amazed at this high-tech Jetson era uh, contraption that will help you get your salad cleanly, safely, and really in a cool way. It's all coming up with good news stories at the end, of course, with Jim Cleefield. That's what The Way Home is all about. And of course, it's brought to you by Fruits and Veggies in a Capsule, Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature is the wonderful uh, just grouping of fruits and vegetables and nothing else into these capsules to the tune of 31 different ones that your body needs to fuel itself so it can take care of itself and heal itself. Your body will do that for you when you feed it the right nutrients. And Balance of Nature is the only way that I know to get 10 servings a day of fruits and vegetables. You can do it also by ordering online at balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com. Make sure that you put my name, Laura, into the promo code for 35% off and free shipping always, or you can call them very easily and find a really nice person on the phone at 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. And tell the nice person that you want to put Laura into the promo code for your 35% discount. When we come back, Brenda Yoder, hospice nurse, talking about the dignity of dying and all that makes sense when we leave this planet for the other side. I'm Laura Smith. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. So this December 6th will mark the one-year anniversary of the passing of my wonderful father, Tom Smith. My dad was really one of those that you read about in books and go see movies about, just the quintessential, almost Renaissance man, such an incredibly intelligent, loving, deep, talented person on so many levels. He loved design, designing homes. He was an international businessman. He spoke three languages. He read probably a book or two a week. He was just really an exceptional human being. He was, you know, from the Midwest, but um, had a yen since he was young to go around the world and and did that he did with my mother of 70 years. And they were together, the two of them, before he passed. And it's been really hard. But I thought it was something when it, we knew it was getting kind of close to the fact that he was, um, you know, not doing well. And it looked like he might, you know, not have much longer, basically. Um, my best friend here in Indiana uh, is a hospice nurse. And... She just said to me when, you know, I would explain to her what was going on. She just said, well, I will be there for you. You know that. And I'll be there for your dad. So Brenda Yoder has been a hospice nurse for 12 years. She's been a, a practicing nurse, I believe, for 18 or 19. But we'll ask her right now. Brenda, thank you so much for joining us today on the way home. Thank you for having me. So how long have you been a nurse? Uh 40 years. Oh, my gosh. Did I say 18? What was I thinking? Yes. yes. I'd like 40. to pretend. Yes. I'd like to pretend we're younger than we are. Brenda and I actually met in the sixth grade um, in Indiana. And uh, yeah, that's how long we've known each other. But for 40 years, you've been a nurse. That's incredible. So what was it that took you from being a nurse for three decades uh, or almost three decades and then made you decide, hey, I think I'd like to go into hospice? It's a very very obviously niche uh, practice and not everybody in the world can do it or would like to do it. You did it and have done it and you love it. Tell me what was the transition point for you that made you decide to do hospice work? Well, I did it um, at the very beginning of my nursing career and I loved it, but then I had little kids, so it was hard to be on call. And then I worked in a doctor's office for 17 years and when she quit, she said, well, now you can go back and do hospice again, because I know you love that the most. And I love hospice because I love that I get to walk with people in that most sacred, holy ground when they're leaving this earth. And it's beautiful. And a lot of people ask me, isn't that depressing? Oh, how can you do that? And I tell them, no, it's one of the most beautiful things ever when you can see people have a great death. And I know that sounds kind of funny, but they do. And if I can help them have that, then that makes me feel like I've done a, a good job. I have tears in my eyes because of the way you're describing it. It really and and having you with my dad, you really were truly it was you and I that were there with my dad uh, at the very end. My mom and my sister were traveling from home to try to get there in time. But it was you and I who were there. And it really it is a holy moment because it well, and for me, it was unprecedented. I had never been with someone as they were passing away, especially someone that I loved like my dad. And and yet you want it to be 
so comforting for them. You want them to feel that they are surrounded in love. And I, I think you're absolutely right. It's at that moment that you see somebody in be- almost in between two worlds, I would put it. That's how it felt like for me. But you were there and you comforted me because in addition to comforting my father, but you were comforting me. And I think that's something that you cannot put a price on that you would be able to not only make sure that the patient's situational uh, experience is one that is as pain-free as possible, as comfortable as possible, and as loving as possible, but you really support the family members. And I think sometimes they're going through so much pain and, and fear and confusion when somebody's passing. You need someone there who feels stable and who feels like they're grounded um, as opposed to freaking out. I mean, you know, at there were moments when I felt like I was just I couldn't tell him I loved him enough. I just kept saying it over and over again. But you were just this very, very calm presence. You also and I have to tell people this, if you are fortunate enough to have a hospice nurse and most people it's available to them. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if you are, I, Brenda has this incredible intuition. So she, she told me a few hours before he passed away that he was passing away. And I did not know that he was going to because he had just kind of finished eating lunch. But then he started experiencing some coughing and breathing issues. And when I described it to you, you said, Laura, don't put him in the hospital again because he's, he's dying. And I had no idea, absolutely no clue. But you were so calm and and you were so grounded about that, that thank goodness you told me because then I was able to shift my energy into truly being with him um, in those last, you know, in that last hour or two there. You were you had this incredible intuition and the same thing when we were together with him at his last moments, you knew as well. And and you you had the presence of mind to tell me to call my daughter on the phone so that she could say goodbye to him because I'm, I was so, I was in a bit of a panic. Um, if, if, if you hadn't been there to tell me that, I'm not sure I would have done it, but indeed I was able to get her on the phone. She was able to say goodbye to her grandfather and my niece as well. She was able to do it over the phone. So you had this presence and this understanding and this knowledge and this incredible experience that just helped guide the entire situation. I'll never be able to thank you enough for what you did for me, but you've done it for how many patients now besides my dad? Oh, gosh, I can't even count because I've done it for so many years, probably hundreds and hundreds. Um, But somehow, I don't know how I have that intuition, but I've had several family members at times say, well, I'm going to leave for a little bit. And then I'll be back and I'll say, you know what? Don't go. I think it's going to be soon and you need to stay. And within a few minutes, they have passed and they said, oh, my gosh, I would have missed this. I would have gone home and I wouldn't have known that that's what was going to happen. Um, wow, that's what I'm talking about. That is the, the yeah. intuition I'm talking about. Have there been other other experiences like that? Oh, multiple. And with my stepfather, when he was dying in the hospital, um, my stepsister said, well, I'm going to go home and take a break for a little bit. And I said, I don't think that you want to do that. And she said, really, why not? And I said, I don't think it's going to be long. And so she stayed and her brother was there, but he was over kind of in the corner doing something. And I said, you guys, you need to come stand around him right now. And 
So her brother was a pastor and he said a prayer. And as soon as he was done with the prayer, her dad died. And it's, I don't know. I think after seeing so many people die like that, you just kind of get a sense of when it's really close and when it's going to happen. That's, it's just amazing. But it, I, it, it provides such a sense of solace and comfort. Now, I'm not sure every hospice nurse is like you. I'm not sure all of them have the intuition or the bedside manner. The other thing that Brenda possesses is this just this grace this incredible grace. So she thinks outside the box. So you're there, you're making the patient comfortable in ways. Sometimes it might be through assisting with whether they should have morphine or whether they need to be on a breathing tube or take the breathing tube out. You seem to, obviously, you have all the medical background for all of this. So you're making them comfortable, but you also, you also bring people together emotionally and spiritually at the end. Um, Tell the story of our our dear mutual friend, our other best friend, um, Delyn, when her dad passed away. Um, talk about that situation that was just incredible. So he was he wanted to go home to die, um, and it was taking a while, and he was struggling, and so we made him comfortable with the morphine, and um, they said, well. It just seems like it's taking him so long. What What is he wanting or what's missing? And I said, does he have a favorite song? And so they said, well, they, he liked this song. I said, well, does anybody have that on their phone that they could play it? And so the whole family was standing around their bed, his bed, and his wife was holding his hand, and they played that song. And as soon as that song was over, he passed. And they're all like, oh, my gosh, we would have never thought of playing that song. But he loved music. He loved rock and roll type things. And so that was one way to help him let go. And, and that was this. Amazing. Yeah, the song was Spirit in the Sky. Yeah. And um, he, they also played that at his funeral. And the kind of sense of humor that Dick had, he was such a wonderful outgoing, fun guy. And like you said, loved his rock and roll. I mean, he loved his rock and roll till the very end. So they had this playlist that they were playing at the funeral and Spirit in the Sky came on again. And we were like, oh, there's his song. There's dad's song. And then after that was supposed to be Stairway to Heaven. And somebody, I don't know, skipped the song or something and and the song Highway to Hell by ACDC, or who, who was that band, played instead. And we thought, oh, if that isn't his sense of humor. And, and then so then they played Stairway to Heaven after Highway to Hell. That was but that was just his sense of humor. And yeah, so the, there's things like that that you think of the music, the prayers. You've talked about families that come together, that that one very beautiful family you talked about where all the kids were there around and 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 just how they. I don't know, just the beautiful things that each family member did and and how that makes. And then you've talked about also there are some situations that that aren't so that aren't so happy and aren't so loving. And maybe the families are having a rift or whatever. But you're there in the middle of all of that. And you're bringing, I think, no matter what, to the to the one who's transitioning, you're bringing this sense of calm and this sense of love and and I know you have a strong faith in God and, and you, you often offer, offer prayer. And so just these situations, I think, are something that 
I didn't realize, but it, it it's important to think about them maybe beforehand because we're all going to be in a situation like that at some point. And how do we want it to go? Um, tell us a little bit about how hospice works. I'm sure it varies from state to state and and group and hospital to hospital. But for you, how does it work? How because do most people have hospice available to them uh, via Medicare or Medicaid? How does that work? So. To get hospice, you have to have a doctor's order, and you have to have a qualifying diagnosis to get it. Um, and there's different criteria for each medical diagnosis. Medicare pays for it if um, you have Medicare. We also have Medicaid. Some private insurances will pay, but they pay more like 30 days at a time, and then you have to recertify them and say they still qualify. Um, and then... Once they're on hospice like that, it's not paid per day. It's just kind of a, it covers everything. We pay for their medical equipment, their medications, um, an aide to come visit them. Hospice also has a chaplain and a social worker that can go visit them. We also have volunteers that can go and sit with them or give family members respite time. And um, they seem to enjoy that. And our volunteers are great. It does make a difference who you have volunteering. I think the spirit and the attitude of the person that's there around someone in these crucial times, even though they might be suffering and pain or it looks like they're not even that conscious, I think people can pick up on the the attitude and the love and the predisposition of the person that's sitting there with them, whether it's the hospice nurse or a volunteer do you think that, too? Do you feel that the people that are sick and are getting ready to transition, are they aware of what's going on in the room? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I've had patients that most of the family is there and um, they'll be really close. And somebody will say, Mom, John is coming. He'll be here in just a little bit. And they will start breathing again. And as soon as John gets there, two minutes later, they die. So I think even though they're not communicating with you anymore, they can hear, they know what's going on, and they wait for the people that they want to be there. One of the things that I wanted to say about our hospice is that we're part of the um, We Honor Veterans program. So we specialize in taking care of veterans also. And a lot of our volunteers are um, ex-Marines, Army, Navy, and so they go to talk with them because as if people have gone to war and they have all those things that they've gone through, they push that down and don't deal with it as much. But when you're dying, you can't control those things as much. And it starts coming up and they have a harder time dealing with their death and letting go when they feel like they have unresolved issues. So we go and we talk with them, but having the veterans there with them, they can relate to each other and they will talk to them. And um, it helps with their emotional pain and helps them have a more peaceful death, I think, to have someone like that to talk to. That's incredible. <laughs> talk about talk about dying with dignity and care and love and how how that must make a difference. Certainly, you've seen probably some some different things. A lot of people talk about um, well, you have talked about, actually, 
seeing people kind of look up into a corner of the room as though they're seeing something or someone has, is that common? And what, what would you put it together as after having so many years and experiences with this? I think it's their awareness and the visions that they get of things beyond. I had a patient who was not responding for days, didn't move. And as he was getting ready to pass, he lifted his arms and just smiled this huge smile like he was going to someone. Um, I had a patient who was in the hospital and her daughter said, I just, I can't be there when she's dying. I, I know that sounds horrible, but I can't be there. And I said, I will sit there with her. And so I was in the room and as she was dying, she opened her eyes and she had this biggest smile, like she was looking at something wonderful. And I just said, oh, I wish I could see what you're seeing because it had to be really good. Um, so they do all kinds of things like that. And I get to be a part of it. And I just feel so honored that people will let me be there at that time. And they'll say, oh, you helped us so much. And I don't feel like I really do much. I'm just there. Um Oh, no. <laughs> it's quite the opposite. I With you there, again, I can't even tell you like the sense of security I felt of having someone there with your knowledge, but you're also your heart and your understanding of the process. It was just such a good feeling having you there. And you did something that totally changed it for my mom, too, because my mom and my sister, bless their hearts, they didn't they had just left to go home for a little bit to feed the dogs and um they had just fed my dad lunch so there's no way in the world they thought he was going to go that afternoon and neither did I but lo and behold he was and you walked into the room i think even without me asking you you just showed up at the at the rehab center where my father was and so you and i were there when my father took his last breath but then when my mom and sister got there probably two to three minutes later, my mom didn't realize he was gone. So she was talking to him and then we had to tell her, mom, he's already gone. And she completely lost it. She was so, so sad that she missed it. And she was so, I mean, she was in despair. And you said to her, I'll never forget it. You said, Joan, he hears you. The spirit's it's known that the research that has been done with the brain wave activity that happens when someone leaves their body, that they still retain the ability to hear what's going on. And my mother derived such incredible comfort by that. You don't know the gift that you gave her because then she continued to talk to him and felt like she was able to say goodbye because that can you imagine after being with her husband for 70 years? And thinking that you weren't there to say goodbye. You changed my mother's life by saying that. And she tells all her friends and family now that um, she knows that 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 her husband heard her talking, even though he had left his body. So that was that was I can't even tell you, you can't put a price on that. That is something that you have to have a special gift for. And you are have that with with your gift of, you know, helping people. Uh, transition to the other side. I know that um, you're able to talk to people if they have questions. I know you do consultations because 
um, so many people aren't aware of what happens or they put off finding out because it's just something you don't want to um, admit is going to happen at some point. But I know people feel that they would love to get some answers. And when is a good time to start hiring someone for hospice? Because what I learned from you is that hospice often starts a lot sooner than just on the person's dying day. Correct? Right. Right. So we encourage people to start it way before you think you need it. um, Because there's a lot of things that have to happen at an admission. And then we're scrambling if you're in a crisis to get everybody there and do all this stuff and get the hospital bed and all that to to your house. So if you get it when you're still able to do things, um, you have to have a terminal diagnosis. But even if we see you once a week, then when you are in a crisis, you know us, we know them, and we're comfortable, and it goes much smoother. I think people still think, well, I don't want hospice. I'm not dying yet. Well, you're not, but you will be. And let us get in there to help you because we can help with so many things. And I had two patients in the last couple of weeks that we got the one patient. She was on oxygen. She could barely move. She said, if I have to go to the doctor, I have to be in bed for three days later because I'm so worn out. And she got on hospice. We, um, started her on some morphine and lorazepam. And the next time I saw her, she said, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. I can breathe. She said, I want to go out to eat. That's what I want to do. I want to get a portable oxygen tank so I can go out to eat. And before she couldn't even move around her house. So um, getting us sooner so we can help you, they actually start feeling better most times than they were before they ever had us come. So that's a good plug to start early. Absolutely. That's that's incredible. Great to know. And um, I guess people um, can find out about hospice wherever they are listening um, because we're in, you know, in a few different states. Do people call a hospice group or do they call their hospital or do they call somebody like you that they could consult with? Um, They can call me and consult with me and just ask questions. I've had lots of people just call and say, what do you think? Do you think she's ready? But you have to get a doctor's order. So you would have to call their primary doctor to get the order for hospice. And there are many different hospice groups. Um, I'm with the the hospital, but there are many other different ones. Some are for-profit, some are not-for-profit. So there's a lot of different ones that you could choose, but you always need to get a doctor's order. It's so important. I'm so grateful that we're talking about this because, again, it's one of those hard conversations. It's kind of like, you know, getting a will when when you're young and you're doing a will. And a lot of people put that off because no one likes to think about, well, the day's going to come when we're going to die. But the point is, if you're prepared, it makes that whole situation so much better. And by having someone like you, Brenda, it really it takes the kind of all the ancillary issues off around it so that you can truly focus just on that person, their heart, what they're going through. Say the things that you've always wanted to say. Clear up anything. Um, think about that instead of all the logistics. Kind of have it all prepared so that when the time comes for your loved one, um, you feel like you can focus on the priorities, which is your relationship with them and having them know how much you love them. Uh, is there a nice email that someone 
could write to in order to get in touch with you. I know you give half hour consultations and hour consultations. Um, what, uh, how can people get in touch with you, Brenda Yoder? They can get in touch with me at Brenda at rayoflightcare.com. Brenda at rayoflightcare.com. Well, I will tell you this and everyone who's listening, Brenda Yoder is a ray of light. Mm-hmm. And she gives nothing but the best care. And I highly personally recommend her and anyone who uh, needs to uh, hire her for some time to get some information. It's Brenda at rayoflightcare.com. My dear friend, thank you so much for what you do in the world. You make it so much better for so many of us and for all the patients who've been blessed by having you by their side at, at the most, uh, at the second most monumental time of their life coming in and then going out. You do it with passion and love in your heart. Thank you so much for joining us today on the way home. Oh, thank you, Laura. Once again, you can reach Brenda Yoder at Brenda at rayoflightcare.com. You're listening to the way home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, here's something fun and delicious all at once and actually makes the world a better place. We're going to be speaking with Kennedy Chug, who is a lifestyle influencer and a global nonprofit uh, Lasagna Love member who is Jolie Abreu. And they have come to talk about this wonderful organization that is not only helping to bring meals to people all over the world, with the help of ragu, but it's also ways to celebrate uh, game days and make them last longer and have more fun. I'm excited to hear about this wonderful nonprofit. A, a, a nonprofit, thank you, that started out of the home of someone uh, that has grown globally now. Please tell us all about Lasagna Love, if you would. Um, I think it sounds just incredible. Yeah. So Lasagna Love, like you said, was started by a mom in her own home ki- kitchen. At the beginning of COVID, she saw a lot of need in her community. She loves to cook and especially loves to make lasagna. And she posted it out on social media asking if anybody wanted uh, lasagna delivered to their door, no questions asked. Lots of people said, yes, that would be amazing. That would be such a big help. And lots of other people said, you know what? I like to cook too. I love what you're doing and I'd love to be involved. And here we are about three and a half years later with over 48,000 volunteers. And it's so beautiful. So it's really um, not necessarily of for maybe a community that's in need of something, but just started out as a gesture of love. It sounds exactly. like. Yeah. And, and people and it. Wow. Talk about bringing neighbors together. So, Kennedy, tell us about the initiative with Ragu here. What what's going on now um, that you're you're pairing up with that with uh, Lasagna Love? Yeah. So Ragu and Lasagna Love have had a longstanding relationship and they help um, connect the volunteers with people in need of the meals. This partnership is super great, too. It's a great way to highlight some of Ragu's products, like their new Petal Cook sauce. And it goes far more than just a classic lasagna, as delicious as it is. But there's so many fun recipes that you can create with these Kettle Cook sauces, especially centered around um, game time or upcoming um, family time as well. 
Absolutely. I know a lot of Italians who eat pasta for uh, Thanksgiving and not just the, the typical uh, mashed potatoes and gravy and things like that. So what are, what are, when you say kettle top, what is, or kettle cooked, what does mm-hmm. that mean? So the, the sauce is somehow uh, done in a pan? Yep. So they're premium ingredients cooked together in a nice kettle and they're, um, that's really premium ingredients. Actually, the sauce is amazing. It takes fresh garlic, Roma tomatoes, um, and it pairs well with really whatever you put it on. It sounds great. And what are, give us some idea of some of the recipes besides lasagna that, that uh, people can look to start cooking. Of course. So we have a kind of a fun play on lasagna, but it's game day centered. So they're handheld lasagna chicken parm bites. They're crispy on the outside, cheesy on the inside. Really one of my favorites. We also have a hot honey pepperoni pizza dip. This is perfect for any type of get together where you really want to dig in and get a nice cheesy bite. It's a great comfort food. And then um, another great idea is Italian sloppy joe sliders. These are great for busy weeknight dinners or game day recipe. Um, They come together incredibly easy and the flavor is phenomenal. Oh my gosh, all three of them sound so good. I, w- I want to do all three of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they sound amazing. And ragu, uh, just in having like a, a standard marinara, does it have all different uh, flavors and types of sauce? Yep, there's three different flavors. There's roasted garlic, traditional marinara, and tomato basil. Okay, so you can change it up a little bit there. Now, do tell us, um, Jolie, in, in terms of, lasagna love can people get involved how can people get involved and maybe start it in their community yeah sure P- uh, individuals can go to lasagnalove.org slash volunteer and sign up as a volunteer and then get plugged into other leaders that are there and grow uh, the organization there locally so you just you know, find out because there's a lot of these neighborhood social media sites now i know we have uh, a couple of them, you know, just in my little neighborhood right here. So you is that how maybe it would start? Is it, is it through social media? Yeah, a lot of our outreach is through social media. We also work with other organizations like Volunteer Match and um, uh, then to reach the, the families uh, that might be in need. We work with food banks and food pantries, senior centers, churches, and again, just spread the word primarily through social media. I love it so much. LasagnaLove.org. Easy to remember and get signed up to um, spread some love in your community. And then, Kennedy, what's a great website for us to find these uh, recipes that sound so amazing for game day and beyond? Yes, Ragu.com is a place to go. There's tons of easy recipes and more information about these new delicious kettle cook sauces. Oh, that's so easy. Ragu.com and lasagnalove.org. Thank you both so much, Kennedy and Jolie. Have a wonderful day, and thank you for making me really hungry. (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank you. you. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. Well, as more and more people head back into their offices after what seems like, well, the pandemic and then a long time of working from home, it's no longer going to be so... uh, one thing maybe a lot of people haven't been thinking about, but will now that we have this discussion is when we go back to work and we um, 
have food, whether it's, you know, in the cafeteria or we bring our own or whatever, what are some safety tips for making sure that we are having the best experience and the safest experience with that? Chef Rich Rupp is sharing this with me today and you, all of you, and he's going to talk about some safe practices and he's with a company called Volrath and we're going to hear what he has to say. Chef Rupp, thank you so much. This is an interesting topic. Well, thank you for having me this morning. I appreciate it. And yes, it is. It's it's something we can all easily relate to. And um, and you said it right. When when people are being asked to come back into the office, um, what's available to them? Because uh, the landscape looks so different now. The restaurants that used to be in business maybe aren't anymore. And people are, are looking for what are they going to do? They don't have their refrigerators 15 steps from where they work now. So how do we keep people safe? and yet give them healthy and appealing meals is really kind of the challenge in today's world. So, yeah, so what are some of the things that people might need to look out for? Like you said, not having your refrigerator right there. So um, are some of these in, in-office in cafeterias, um, are they going to be up to the same standards as they were? Have a lot of them closed down since people uh, since we went through the pandemic? What is going on with that? Well, managers are still holding close to some of the sanitation protocols that we had during the pandemic. They were good things. I mean, we want to stay safe, but in many ways, we're trying to get back to life before the pandemic, as I said. So one of the areas that um, people really enjoy, salad bars, are an area that even before the pandemic were kind of suspect, right? We we looked at them and we'd say, well, I don't know, and especially certain environments, and um, some were better than others. But this has always been an area that when they're done well, people really enjoy them. So we have come up with a product that helps with all these things, with giving people a fresh, a safe uh, experience to come back into the office and see really a, a premium food service uh, product. So what we did is if you can imagine how a salad bar normally looks, it's flat, it's about four feet, and you have these different pans of food, right? So we took those pans and we've taken them now and put the food into a vertical cylinder, a clear cylinder and we have eight of these in our unit and it's behind a clear door so a refrigerator door that's clear so now you can see this few, this food you can see how fresh it is you can see it, it's being held in a nice environment that's, that's temperature controlled nobody can touch the food we can't breathe on it somebody can't spill food into it there's no cross contamination if you don't like tomatoes there's no chance a tomato is going to fall in your food because each one of the cylinders comes down its own individual chute and then we've also gone and made it a touchless by a sensor. So simply take your bowl, put it underneath the chute, triggers the sensor, and the food goes in your bowl. And you can go to the next one or to the next one and, and really make your own custom salad just as you did before. But now you're not touching things and no one else can touch things or breathe on your things or cross-contaminate your things. So this product is really innovative and it's it's helped people with coming back to work and having some of the the nice quality food that we had when we were at home in a safe environment again. This is really incredible. Um, I Again, I think, you know, I'm thinking who would think about that, but then, yeah, whether it's, you know, at a cafeteria or at a restaurant at a buffet type restaurant, or um, even the grocery store has salad bars now. Mm-hmm. And so this is very innovative, this product and so tell us about Volrath. That's the company that creates this this interesting thing. Tell us the name of the product, too. Is it is it the Servu? Yes, Servu. Uh, S-E-R-V-U-E is the product. 
And we are the Volrath Company. We have been in business for 150 years, actually, wow. right now. We're celebrating our anniversary. Uh, we are a family-owned company. We've been in the food service industry for, obviously, that many years. And if you talk to operators, restaurant people, chefs, they know us. They they trust us. We have been a brand with them for, for a long time. And um, individuals may not because we're not a retail brand, but we make everything from ladles and spoons all the way up to heavy-duty cooking and serving equipment. So everything in, in the full food service line. Uh, that is amazing. 150 years. What company can we think of these days that has been around that long and has obviously um, kept up with the times to the to the point of being at the forefront of of what's cutting edge. So, is this a, a the surview? Is it something that is is big by standards, or can you get it in various sizes um, so that you might maybe a company could buy it for their office, or maybe a a smaller restaurant could offer it as well? Right. So we've sized this to really replace what we would say would be a four foot salad bar. In the, mm-hmm. in the industry, we talk about it in pans. It's a four pan salad bar, basically four feet. And it actually takes up less space because instead of being deep front to back, we've gone vertical. So we, we've shortened up that counter a little bit. Um, but it, it is something that you could see in a small restaurant. You could put several of these next to each other and then have a very long and more options. So if you're a bigger company, you could put several different types of greens, several different types of cheeses, proteins, uh, nuts, vegetables, anything that you typically see on a salad bar. We have probably tested and shown how it works in our system. And they all work really, really well. Um, just the variety that you can put out there is, is pretty impressive. It found, sounds like food service has met the Jetsons and <laughs> um, really cool. Um, I would love to see one. Uh, is there somewhere on Volras website that that maybe has some pictures of this? Because I I I just find it to be fabulous, and not to mention, it just sounds like the cleanest way to go about it. Like you said, sometimes you just wonder about the salad bars, you wonder about the temperature, and you know, like are things wilting? How long have they been sitting out here? And then, like you said, the cross contamination. Uh, it's very frequent that you'll see maybe like the olives inside the tomatoes or something like yep. that because somebody's clampers didn't quite, you know, hit the mark. So I think this is great. What is the website where we could find out about the Surview? Sure, sure. It's uh, volrath.com, spelled V-O-L-L-R-A-T-H. And there are many good videos out there on it. Just if you go to that site on our website, you'll see a lot of pictures, some good videos so you can see how it works and uh, all the benefits from it. And I know that it's uh, woman-owned and, like you said, family company, mm-hmm. and it's Midwestern. So it's got to be great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Very good. Uh, so happy about our ownership and family-owned makes it, it's a nice place to work. Fantastic. Once again, it's called Surview. It's by a company called Volrath, V-O-L-L. Um, R-A-T-H, and you can go right to their website and see what the, the future is here when it comes to salad bars. Thank you so much, Chef Rich Ruff. Really appreciate this fun conversation. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure being with you this morning. Great. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, as always, I'm moved by my guests, Brenda Yoder, making me feel like um, 
well, just grateful that she was the one there when my dad passed. And also, it's making me hungry. All that talk of lasagna and salad. I don't know. I guess it's just time for what we do every week at this time. Some good news stories with Jim Cleefield. Jimmy Dean, what do you have for us? Well, a very wonderful story. Not too far from you uh, in Chicago, actually, at Northwestern University. Very wonderful story. They just had their first cohort of graduates. But not just any group of graduates. This was very special. In fact, these were incarcerated students that just graduated. They just got their liberal arts education and they got their degrees through a program that was started through the university called the Northwestern Prison Education Program, known as NPEP. And what this is, it's a collaboration. They just had their inaugural class of 100 students that came in in January of last year through the university, Oakton College, and the Illinois Department of Corrections, and also two correctional centers. And the reason is they wanted to give these students, I guess, a second chance of life, if you will, through education, through this kind of program. And it's just really, really wonderful what they did. And I can't see what kind of uh, crimes they committed, but the fact that they were learning these lessons while incarcerated at the time, and now they get a chance to reenter society and contribute to society. I mean, as I said, I think Northwestern is really onto something here. You might see it prop up at other universities down the road. But the provost, Kathleen Haggerty, basically said this. He said that this program, NPEP, as it is called, really allows these students to really have that second chance of life and really contribute to society through education. And uh, she feels uh, that this is going to be a very successful program going forward. So I can just imagine that you'll start to hear because no other top 10 university in America has been doing this. It's the first of its kind. So if you see it at other colleges down the road, you'll say, hey, it all started in Northwestern. I think that's a wonderful idea, and I think you'll see that more down the road in the future. Wow, that's a winning recipe, truly, and a win-win for everyone. That's great. My sister went to Northwestern, mm-hmm. went to the law school Mine did, there. too, as a matter of fact. Uh, I think it was at one of the uh, local colleges. They were connected with Northwestern. She and my first brother-in-law, they were at Northwestern for a couple of years, so I know that, too. Well, it's a great school, and I think that's a a wonderful way for people to be reintegrated into society and with getting a much better chance of having a life of smooth sailing. Awesome. What else do you have? Well, one thing we talked about on the show from time to time, we talk about positive affirmations. I remember we had a guest, was it Glennis McCants a long time ago? Uh, she always did affirmations. I remember that. Well, here's a Kansas mom, another Laura, by the way, Laura Schmidt, who uh, had an idea for a wonderful uh, thing with positive affirmations. She was traveling one day with her feet propped up, and she was had a little idea that hashed. She said, gee, what about a billboard uh, for inspirational messages, a billboard with positive affirmations? Not, let's say, on a highway if you're on, let's say, the Indiana Toll Road or something like that. I'm talking about your feet, socks, that have an inspirational message, a, a, a positive affirmation like, I am strong, I am beautiful, etc., etc. Well, she remembered, like, back in 2011, her daughter was playing volleyball and was wearing one of these prototype socks with a positive affirmation on it, It says, I'm confident, but it was just recently that she thought, hey, I should do something like this. Well, she started this website. It's called notes2self.com, notes2self.com. I looked at it. It's very impressive. You ought to check it out too, LJ. Maybe your listeners would like this too. And these all different kinds of socks, and like there's compression, very comfortable. From the time that you wake up in the morning to the time that you go to bed, you're wearing these messages all day long. Even if you're not saying these affirmations by yourself, you're wearing it. You're telling people how you feel. It's a way of expression in some respects. Well, anyway, go to the website. And the other thing that's really nice is that with the money that she's made off of this, it is a .com, of course. She's giving back. 
She just gave 135,000 pairs of socks she's donated to homeless shelters, women's shelters, and children in need with these beautiful socks with these positive affirmations on it. In fact, she must be wearing an I am generous pair because, as I said, that's what she's doing. She doesn't just make this money. She's giving back as well. So check it out, notes2self.com. Find it. Your listeners, I think, would like it. I'd like to wear a pair. I think it's just great. You would you would wear a pair that would say, I find good news. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll get one for you too. Oh, yeah. And I like and I like her name too. Yes. I mean it's close. It's close. Laura Schmidt. Oh, yeah. It's close. Laura Schmidt. Yeah. Maybe she's uh, a gene in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe she might be. Yeah. But you know what? What a wonderful, wonderful idea wearing an affirmation like that. I absolutely love it. Good for her. What I just such a neat idea and simple but yet profound at the same time. Absolutely love it. Well, thank you, Jim. You definitely made me feel great. And um, for the rest of you, I just wish you a beautiful, beautiful Thanksgiving this week. That includes you, Jim, and Bob, my producer. I hope you're having wonderful Thanksgivings. What are your plans, Bob? Anything special? Doing my regular thing, getting together with some friends at, uh, at a yacht club. That's what you've been doing for yeah. the last several years. Yeah. I remember that. And and you, Jim? Well, for me, we usually we did this last year. Uh, a lot of changed in my family, but we get together at my sister's up uh, north in Connecticut with our with the kids, and they do something also called Friendsgiving. I don't know if you've ever heard about that. Usually, oh, yeah, that's the sure. time we have the kids. So we have our let's say a regular Thanksgiving, and then the next day it's Friendsgiving where everybody is together. So uh, you know that should be a real fun weekend. I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, that does sound absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. And I'm going to just be with, not just, I'm going to be with my mom and, believe it or not, Brenda, who was on the show today. Oh. After she, she has to work um, in hospice that afternoon, Thanksgiving. So she's coming over for dinner afterwards. And uh, she's going to share it with uh, my lovely niece and her boyfriend, Benny. And it's just going to be the four of us. Very small, but just perfect. So I'm looking forward to that. But for everyone, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I also want to say that I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful for those of you that listen. I'm grateful for you, Bob and Jim, and truly for everything that God gives us every day of the year, not just Sundays, but all the time. Lots of love to all of you. We'll see you next time on The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith.